ready over there? Okay. Our next guests are one of the most successful and critically acclaimed groups in hip-hop music. Their new CD, right here, called Beats, Rhymes, and Life. It debuted last month, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a tribe called Quest. Folks! Hello, and welcome to the That's Why They Were Quality podcast, where we talk about everything that's proper quality, whether that be films, TV shows, music, um, could be pornography. Um, one day. One day, one day, hopefully. Um, one day, Brazzers yeah. will endorse us. Exactly, that is the dream. Brazzers all that Brazzers money is when you've made it, Lou. Exactly, exactly. We could get Brazzers to endorse us and their music label to endorse us as well, because they do have a music label. Uh, they do. I wonder if there's there. anyone near quality Santa Brazzers Records. I know Kudio did a record with them. <laughs> did he? Yeah. Oh, well, I I he's kind of quality. He's kind of quality. He's kind of quality, and we've seen him at our uni freshers twice, actually. Do you remember that? I do remember that. That was quality. But not the best gig of my life. Not the <laughs> best gig of my life, was it? Tell me. Well, listeners, you're going to have to stay tuned. You're going to have to stay tuned, listeners, and find out what it is. Ah, uh, you've got them hooked. The bait has been reeled. The bait has been reeled in. I mean, it's probably going to be the band that, that we're talking about because it'd be a bit weird if not. It'd be a bit, <laughs> bit weird if like, at the end I go, oh no, yeah, it was actually Stone Roses. Mm. It would be a bit of a, of a letdown. But, it was actually the Backstreet Boys. Or the Backstreet Boys, you know, it'd be a, be a bit out of place. But uh, but nonetheless, you know, stay tuned and you'll know, find out. But yeah, I'm joined today by Mr. Paddy Stanton. How you doing, Geezer? I'm on point, Geezer. All the time, Geezer. All the time, Geezer. Talking about Tribe Called Quest, probably one of the greatest hip-hop bands of all time. Um, one of the best hip-hop groups of all time. They absolutely changed the way hip-hop was done, you could say. And many people have called them the Beatles of hip-hop or the Led Zeppelin of hip-hop. And I think that reputation is absolutely deserved. But I think they should be known primarily as the Tribe Called Quest of music because I don't think there was anyone like them. I don't think there'll be anyone like them again. That's, that's the good um, point. That they'll, uh, they'll never be yeah. duplicated. Originality, uh, creativity at its finest. Obviously, we talked about them in um, the last two parts that we've done, uh, three parts. Yeah. And um, yeah, we're going to talk about where we left off last time. And if you just want to dive straight into it, I guess, Lou. Definitely. I mean, sort of quickly on that point about Led Zeppelin as well. Maybe they called them, called them the Led Zeppelin of music because Led Zeppelin, in their own way, were kind of sampling loads of blues musicians and stuff. From the from like uh, the thirties and the fifties and the sixties um, mm. by by nicking their music, so maybe <laughs> maybe maybe that's what they were getting at. But the tribal question never never nicked any music. So um, yeah, we last time we were here, we did we just fit they just finished recording what many people uh, call their best album, the Midnight Marauders, yeah. and they're on a, a real hot streak right now. Yeah, it was essentially their magnum opus. I think I discussed that in the last part, but. It's safe to say yeah. um, that was your favourite album. It was probably the magnum opus, the pinnacle of creativity. And um, I don't know, do you think the... We will see, we'll, we'll talk about it, but whether them highs were ever reached again, them creative highs were ever reached again, because it's going to be absolutely, you know, what a hard job it's going to be to reach them highs. Definitely, yeah. It's, it, I mean, just come off like the low-end theory, which was, you know, an incredible album, and then they followed it up again with another incredible album. And it is hard, yeah, it's hard again to keep that momentum going. 
So at Midnight Marauders went to number eight in the US and it went gold after only two months. Um, and uh, it did also eventually go platinum. Um, but after the recording of this, uh, Fife Dog moved to Atlanta um, and um, Q-Tip didn't want him to move. He wanted them to all be like together. And uh, Fife Dog, he found it a bit controlling. And uh, people have actually talked about Q-Tip as being hard to work work with because he's such a perfectionist. So were these and all yeah, living together in uh, Queens at the time or how, did they all live in New York to, close together or the same? I, I think so, yeah. I know Fife was, was living in Queens, I think, around that time. Um, and so I imagine, yeah, I imagine Q-Tip was, and Shahid were but similar, I imagine. Hmm. Yeah, there was a period of time where um, Shahid and Chris Lighty were actually like, living in the same same gaff. Like, Whoa, same we don't speak of Lighty's name, the Judas. <laughs> Judas in, Judas in my mind, I become, I become, I become it. And we never speak the taboo word of violators, okay? It's basically on this podcast, it's become Voldemort. He, he who must not be named, they who must not be talked about, the violators. So the weird thing with that is that like, like there was beef between them, but but it's weird because I think they actually like by the time he died, I think they were on good terms again. Really? And it's one of these stories with with Tribe where unlike a lot of other like stories about bands or musicians when they have like breakups or they they have fallings out with people, sometimes they'll take that beef to the grave. But with Tribe Called Quest, I think all of the people that they've they've ever had beef with. They've, all, they've always made it up, which I think is quite nice. Do you think that's a testament to their personalities then? Obviously, Q-Tip's uh, forgiven personality, I guess. And Because, I mean, in the end, obviously, we'll get to, but like they they did, they made up with themselves as well. So maybe that's just the personality types that they were. No, they didn't, you know, they bickered towards it on and over, but they didn't hold hell grudges in the end. Definitely, yeah. I just think that, yeah, they were, they were just all like, you know, all, all nice geezers and just, just the pressures of the music business right. probably like yeah. uh, geezers let's forget about it yeah go down the path have a nice little point have a nice little uh, John Smith's um, yeah, wait exactly. for this to all blow over geezer exactly yeah stick on the old Liverpool game you know they won again of course they won again what are you talking about well, not yeah. at that point geezer because Liverpool was shit back then well no well, uh, we weren't the best no but I just want to say, disclaimer for everyone, you know, but everything that's happening now, um, I feel most sorry for people like yourself, Lou, because you're still not you're still not going to witness Liverpool and that league title when this when this prem gets null and void. Oh, we will, we'll, we'll, we'll win it. We'll, we'll win good effort win though. It. We'll win it so well they'll give us next season's one as well. I reckon what they'll do is we'll win it so well they'll give us the La Liga title as well. That's just how 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 excellent we're going to finish off this season. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. But um, but yes. Yeah, so after the album came out, um, Tribe went on tour, and apparently they toured for. It was like a really long tour. Apparently they they toured almost nonstop, um, between like the the third album and the fourth album. And uh, while they were on tour, I don't know if this was this tour, but I thought it'd be a good chance to wedge the story in here. Talking about Tribe Called Quest having beef with people. They actually went on tour with the Alcoholics, and the Alcoholics, as part of their show, they'd be like shaking, like you know, shaking booze up and spilling it, all, spilling it all over the stage. And apparently, like a, like a tribe had beef with them 
because uh, they, you know they had to go before by the stage after. And I was going here, mate. What are you doing? Is you making the, the floor all sticky? And, uh, <laughs> sticky, yucky, uh, yucky. Call it yeah, what exactly. you wanna call it. I'm a fucking alcoholic. Exactly. You know yeah, what though? Actually. The alcoholics they were they were a pretty good uh, group to be honest. Quite underrated yeah. as well, I think. I don't know about yourself, but I've listened to a few songs by them. Well, yeah, you, uh, to go and be on tour with Tribe, you've got to be uh, got to be top of your game, like Because like, so, some of those tours back in the day, the light up was just stacked, just incredible. Hmm. So they they lived. So they weren't just a gimmick. So they lived their gimmick. So they were called alcoholics. I remember they had like some good songs. Um, uh, it was like uh, "Can't Tell Me Shit," Mary Jane. Um, just that first time I remember some of the. T- songs on that first album but are you trying to tell me that these live their gimmick they lived the gimmick right they lived it they they were the rick flares of, of the hip-hop game mm, that's what was going through my my head you know what though yeah. i'd be pretty pissed if, if i was q-tip as well i don't want to go on stage to, to some sticky floor i don't want to feel like i am in the raz at 5 a.m you know <laughs> definitely yeah but the great thing about it was He's talking again about like that having beef and eventually making up. They made up with the alcoholics. It was like apparently like the, the geese was telling the story like uh, like he saw Q Tip like like the next time he saw him after the incident, he, they were like worried like uh, oh you know is there going to be beef? But then Q Tip just went up and went oh mate great show tonight like he like, completely forgot all about it. So I think at the end of the day they all they all seemed like nice people who were willing to like forgive and forget. But in the heat of the moment, probably stuff happens. Do you think they got over it by by? Splitting some alcohol. Probably, yeah. yeah. Add some Carlsberg. That, that could have been... Add some, add some of your, your favourite piss water. The, the, the beer of champions. The beer, yeah. <laughs> the beer yeah, of homeless beer of homeless people. Yeah, homeless people could be champions, yeah. yeah. Nothing, nothing wrong it's with It's not as bad as the time I seen you drink Asda's own lager. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it before in my life, people, but, like, yeah, Louis actually bought Asda's own lager, and it was, like, 39p for, like, six cans, in my word. That was that was some rocket rocket fuel. What can I tell you? I'm a pioneer. I, I know how to save money, mate. I, <laughs> I know how to get it done. I'm drinking Carlsberg right now. The alcoholics wouldn't be proud of you. Neither would QC. They would, they, no, they, they would not, no. They're pretty proud of me now. I'm, I'm, I am on the sesh, but... But yeah. <laughs> when are you not on the sesh? That is true. And with this true. whole lockdown thing going on, like that that's a good point to raise, actually. You know, we're talking about the yeah. alcoholics, talking about sticky floors and ale being everywhere. Can you imagine everyone's floor when we're through with this isolation? Because let's be honest, I think a lot of us, like myself, like yourself, we're all doing a lot of drinking because it's the only thing to do to pass the time by. I'm, I'm here with me brandy and coke. You're there with your piss water on ice. Um, and... Yeah. Just think of the sticky floors in such a situation, Lou, and it's not the usual sticky floors that you know you have. No, no, not at all. No, I mean it's usually sticky bed sheets, but um, <laughs> or yeah, or socks. But but no, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. It's going to be obliterated. Get laminate flooring, people. Yeah, that's so, uh, just a point. Um, Thinking about, thinking about when, when when you talk about the the time frame between the albums or the first three albums and you think about it, it's fucking mad because it was three years. So you had mm. People's Instinctive, 90, you had Low End 30, 91, and then Midnight Marauders, 93. Like, just to drop. And this is why the Beatles comparison, I think, comes into play again because... About to say, yeah. Yeah, the same thing with Beatles. They drop just albums, you know, sometimes two albums in one year. Tribe did the three albums, three classic albums within the three-year time span. 
and then obviously the cracks begin to form as we'll go through and they would they take longer um in between albums after that but it was just uh just a work ethic really comes through in those first three years i think definitely yeah. and a part of the reason that it did take so long for the next album because you know midnight midnight rules was 93 and the next one was 96 so a bit of the extended gap was because they were touring so much um they couldn't spend as long on the album also in 1993 de la soul um and Bismarcky both got sued for using samples in their songs. And those two law cases, they sort of um, woke up the music world around them. And now more artists who never before really paid attention to what samples were being used in their music started to actually like, started to actually pursue these hip-hop artists. And then it became even harder to get songs cleared. And you'll probably notice with Tribe Called Quest and with hip-hop at the time, around this period, a lot less samples are being used because you talked about before a tribe called quest they use like eight samples sometimes yeah, the kings song. of sampling weren't they exactly i think yeah, they were on they, record they, they, i remember in the documentary they said there was like 16 samples in once in one song maybe find out what that song yeah. is but 16 in one song that's a that's a yeah. lot of potential for uh for many lawsuits right there definitely yeah so it, 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 it so they and so yeah it just took more time to um and, and higher budget, I'd imagine, as well, to get to get it um, sampled, um, uh, to, to clear the sample, sorry, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so that, that sort of put a bit of a strain on them as well. Um, so in 1993, A Tribe Called Quest and uh, Run DMC, they went um, on Tim Westwood's show, did a freestyle, and you can actually hear Jerobi spitting bars on that freestyle. One two, one two, one two, one two, one two, one two, one two. Ripping pups is real easy, especially when the hoe is real greasy. I don't riff with the wrath of a real thing. I might stutter step, but I will sing. Step to you like a poker poker chip. Now you're all on the mystic. Come a sugar pocket, me a sugar hit. Now you wanna be my honey dip. Grab the microphone with the ill grin. Count of six hairs on my chinny chin chin. You don't stop. Don't keep on. My God, there is a first time for everything did, did yeah, hell did right. hell also f- freeze over yeah he's good as well like, we'll talk about it later but he's good like it's a shame he didn't like um you know no on no one thought it back then either though did they like no one actually realized thought that Jerobi could spit and he was a good mc but he would go on to prove yeah. that he, he could he actually could handle his own i mean he was no fife and he was no tip but you know no one was but uh, yeah, he, I think he could hold his own. He's certainly better than fucking Consequence, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I was just about to say, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's um, yeah, he wouldn't be out of place in on the uh, the last two like, like, Tribe albums. <laughs> no. I think he could even, again, like, on, on, I think if you bunged him on Low End Theory, cause he had a few songs, like, he had three songs he was going to be on there, and um, obviously I took him off. And I reckon, yeah, they, they bunged him on there. I reckon, yeah, he wouldn't stand out. I reckon it'd, it'd, it'd work, it'd work well. Yeah. Uh, mm. But sadly not to be. Sadly not. No. So, um, so Shaq, uh, Shaquille O'Neal um, released an album called Shaq Diesel. Um, this is the first album that he released. Uh, he was also signed to Drive Records. Uh, he released it on uh, the 26th of uh, October 1993. And um, one of the songs Ali Shaheed Mohammed produced called Where You At, which also features Fife Dog, as well as Gigging on him, which is another song that Fife Dog um, 
that Fife Dog featured on, and apparently he also ghost wrote on the album as well. It's a fight for Shaq mission, plus Shaheed got the goods Making rug daddy jams, that can harder than wood Make your boogie, butterfly, Armstrong too Fight dog and Shaq food, this is how we do Funky renditions, there's no competition Split them seas apart as if the group was new edition Make them seas hush, stop looking, listen It's hard to comprehend, so they commence to reminisce You know you mentioned that, because I watched uh, Shaq I rewatched Shaq's uh, Hot Ones I don't know if you watch Hot Ones on YouTube You know, the show where they get interviewed And the Hot Wings, basically yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Shaq was on there. Shaq is probably one of the, the worst people to ever do it. He's, he's hilarious on it. He's <laughs> hilarious in general. But uh, I watched yeah. that. I rewatched that recently. And um, yeah, he talks about it. One of the questions is about his music career, actually. And it's about oh, yeah. about Jai Records. And like, I don't know, you didn't realize he was he was making music like back then. And I can't oh, yeah. say I've ever listened to, to him before, though. I mean, have you got an opinion on his music? His music's not bad because he, he actually worked with like loads of, as again, you know, two members of Tribe there. Some other people he's worked with in the past include like Ice Cube, Michael Jackson. He's got a song with uh, B.I.G. I think he's worked with him before. There's your one and only Michael Jackson reference allowed in this podcast. <laughs> well, mate, with Tribe, there's going to be a few. No, I have to get blanked out to get them bust out. <laughs> when it comes to the samples, I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be fucked. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, so, so yeah, you see, like, Five Dog and, uh, so you see Five Dog and Ali, they're getting themselves out there a bit more, um, they, uh, they, the Tribe, Tribe went on the Arsenio Hall show in 93, and they talked about working with a record label called East West Records, and working with Vinio Mojica, and they also talked about D'Angelo, um, comparing him to Prince, um, but surprisingly, I, I've not found any, like, information and what their involvement was with East West Records, if this actually happened. There's been nothing written about it at all. I know, I could tell you for a fact, I could tell you with absolute certainty where they got the idea for I Left My Wallet in El Segundo. <laughs> I could tell you that 10 ways from Sunday. But, yeah. but East West Records, I have no idea. No that, one's bothered to ask me. I feel like the uh, where they got that song from, yeah, you're going to get have that on your gravestone. Yeah, you're going to have on your gravestone how they came up with that song because it's literally ingrained in in your brain. You you go to sleep, you go to sleep thinking about that, you wake up thinking about that. So I can't imagine how how tribe feel. People are just going to be at the funeral just watching me like being lowered down to a ward tour and they're going to Yeah, we need that. Lowered down. Okay, wait there. Can we just uh, can we just get a mental image so Lou, what what's your What's your wannabe funeral? Like, what do you want your funeral to look and sound like then? Please, please tell us. So, I don't know. It depends. I'm thinking my funeral, right? What happens is... Um, so, obviously, I get, I'm get i getting assassinated because um, of that I have to save the world again. And uh, I've, I've done it. Like, no, I've done it nine times already. And they're like, oh, Sanctuary, you'd save the world again. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, mate. Just, just now they're like, yeah, go on. Comedian so by day, assassin by night, is that it? No, I get assassinated because I get assassinated by like the evil, like the Empire. Like, let, let's let's call it. <laughs> is this um, becoming Star Wars? It, well, this it, is this is just this just you know if I've got to just off the top of my head, you know, not thought about this at all. If I'd like to go, um, and I get assassinated by um by President Barlow. Uh, Gary Barlow. Um, 
and uh, and and like I love the way he's not the prime minister; he's the president. He's the president. He's a dodgy fucker. You'll find <laughs> it's actually it's weird. Like he is, yeah, he is the um, it's him and the nineteen seventy five. Oh, they're God. like like what they're like they've got like a coalition of power. Like both of them. Fuck, I'm uh, rebelling if those wet boys are in charge. I know, and that's what I did. I, 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 <laughs> I, I saved, saved the world again, and they're like, oh, you're going to have to do it in. And so they, they did me in, and like my, my death is what like got uh, Gary Barlow deposed uh, from power because they're like, hold up, son, that's a bit harsh. And then I'm in, in the old, I'm getting like, I'm uh, getting buried, like, you know, and my me, me wife, Margot Robbie, she's there, she's all upset. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, she she's all consoling me. And uh, my ex-wife Alice Eve, she's there. And uh, my, my other ex-wife, um, um, Sasha Banks, she's also there. Do you got more divorces than Flair by the sounds of it? Oh yeah. As the thing was, they they're like, oh, like you know, oh, you saved the world again. I feel I feel bad. Like uh, I, you know, oh, I don't feel worthy of you. And, and I'm like, oh, no, don't be hard on yourself. And then, um, and, and, and yeah, so it just, just sort of ends, really. It's all my curse because of, because of how, how brilliant I, I am. But So in, in the uh, end, you, de- you deserve to die. You deserve to get shot. <laughs> Is that the moral of this story? <laughs> I think Gary Barlow just found me annoying. He was just like, fuck me. If Gary Barlow is the, uh, the president, then who's the pope? Who's the pope? I'm gonna have to give that to um, mm, Katie Hopkins, first female pope. Fuck's sake! Yeah, a more of a reason to hate the pope then. Yeah, yeah. She's um, gonna get done in her. Yeah. 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 And not in the usual way. No. No. I'll avenge. I'll, I'll avenge your your assassination though, definitely. Oh, cheers, geezer. Oh, thank you. Yeah, by fucking your uh, your, wi- your widow, Margot Robbie. That's not very nice. Anyway, so <laughs> in 1993, um, Tribe went on tour with uh, the Smashing Pumpkins and George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic. Um, oh, sick. The keyboard player for... Uh, sorry, what did you say? I said sick, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, so they, went, they went on tour with Smashing Pumpkins and George Clinton, um, Parliament Funkadelic, and um keyboard player for Parliament Funkadelic q-tip and asked if he could introduce him to this guy uh when they they go to detroit um and it turned out this guy was a up-and-coming producer who went by the name of jay diller the keyboard player kept reminding him he's saying you know when we get to detroit you know uh, you know i can't wait for you to meet this guy and q-tip was like yeah yeah whatever you know anyway they they got to detroit and q-tip met him and he heard his beats, and he was just amazed. Yeah. And he decided to form the Uma production group with yeah. him, Alicia Heed Mohammed, and Jay Diller. And apparently, occasionally, uh, D'Angelo and Raphael Sadiq would also uh, be members as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the Uma went on to produce the next two Tribe albums, and um, also some of Q-Tip's solo works as well as work for other artists such as Buster Rhymes, Janet Jackson, Whitney Houston. They've got big, big discography. It just goes to show, um, obviously, with Q-Tip, how sort of on on the pulse he is. He's got his ear to the pulse. I've discussed that in the past, but um, he knows, like, he knows talent, and it it shows because, like, with Jay Diller, his his style of producing, so if you don't know Jay Diller, he's 
he's probably the top two producers of all time. I would put him and DJ Premier as the top top two, and then there's really? others that can sort of, you know, um, float around there. But it's always them two for me. Joe, you've never listened really? to Jay Diller. Really? I I say with Jay Diller, yeah. So I can't do this with many many producers, but I can put on his albums, like his instrumentals, his beats. I I can just listen to them for hours, like. If you go to YouTube, just type in Jay Diller, like there's compilations of them that goes on for hours and you stick them on, you, you, you can just listen for hours. Cause it's just it's just so chill. It's so lo-fi. It's just, and at the time, like that, that movement, it wasn't really a thing. So if you listen to like the early 90s production style and then you literally a few years later in the mid 90s, listen to like Jay Diller, um, it's so just like totally different. It's just like completely different to anything else that was around then. So Q-Tip obviously noticed that straight off the bat. It was just like, right, yeah, we need him. We need him to produce our next album. And it was uh, well, paid off in the end what a decision it was. But yeah, Jay Diller for me, num- number one or, or number two. I mean, it's, it's hard to choose between him and DJ Premier, but definitely got to go away to listen to uh, to some Jay Diller. Uh, if, you, if you've never listened to his album, Donuts, that is a, a must listen if you're a hip-hop fan. Or even if you're not, you, you can learn a lot from that album, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like one, one of one of the greats. So in uh, 1994, uh, Postanius from Bela Soul was actually in hospital for spinal meningitis, um, which made Mike G um, and the um, the Jungle Brothers sort of reconnect with um, with Dela and, in his words, try and be cool with everyone because um, he said, you know, this is bigger than us, and that's sort of how like a native tongue sort of like sort of mended the fence really and they all sort of mates again oh that's cool so that's how that's what brought them together because obviously you mentioned the they yeah, had yeah. a little bit of a fall now i mean you never really knew what it was about was it was a friendly competition or or was it just cracks in native tongues you know was it money maybe that got in the way who knows but it's nice to yeah. know that these sort of they mended the fences it's a good reason to Again, definitely. So, and again, another, another example of like tribe. You know, they fall out with people, but they they always made up. Always made up. It's really nice to nice to hear. That that um, forgiving tip, eh? That forgiving man. Oof. Oh, I'd for, forgive his tip anytime. So, um, <laughs> you would do so, a lot to his tip. Suck, stroke, the lot. Sniff. Yeah, if, if, sniff even. Yeah, if, yeah. If I was, I was definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and you are. Well, I'm not, but if I was, I would. I've got, I've got the fictional Mar- Margot Robbie story. <laughs> and it will always remain fiction, except yeah. for uh, my part of the story when I end up, end up slamming her. Well, fair play, you know. But, um, but yeah, the four years continues. So, <laughs> um, 1994, Tribe Called Quest, they were in a, they were at the height of their popularity right here. And they were actually in a commercial. They're in a Sprite commercial. This goes out to all the non-believers in thirst. When we had a thirst to dance, we did it all night. When we had a thirst to rhyme, we broke out the mics. When we had a thirst to dress, we went and got fresh. Image is nothing but thirst. Thirst is everything. It's something at the time, Sprite, I think we're getting on quite a few like hip-hop artists to do commercials. But yeah, Tribe, massively popular. Yeah, Fife Dog's love of sodas and uh, fizzy mm. drinks finally paying off then, eh? He must have been, yeah, in, he must have been in his, his literal heaven. 
doing endorsements for Sprite, getting free Sprites left, right, and center. Fucking Sprites every, here, there, and everywhere. Sprites coming out of his ass. Fair play. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and he, um, yeah, and he, I think he might have even been in a um, Dr. Pepper commercial, but I can't find it or find any proof of it. So that might be oh. But some someone said he was in it. I don't know if that was a joke, but I don't know. That would be but, fitting after that, that, that mm-hmm. legendary bar. It should be. It should be. If they didn't, then they have no sense in, in yeah. them whatsoever. They made a, a very terrible mistake. Definitely. But, you um, know, if you do need anyone to endorse Dr. Pepper, that's why they were quality. We we are opening up our books at this that, at this time. Definitely. We'll, we'll endorse any bollocks you want us to, to endorse. If no matter how to, degrading it is, Louis will do it. If, if you want me to literally endorse bollocks, like literally... I'll do it. Bone the cash. He's, he's right, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it. Well, again, I'm, I'm not, so I didn't. But, but, you know, if I was, then I, I would. But, uh, but, yeah. So, in 94, uh, Five Dog, he, he was actually on a TLC album, on a TLC song called Crazy Sexy Cool, uh, Interlude. My man, I'll be sure he's in effect mode. Used to have a brush on Dawn from N. It's not like honey people wanna get with me, but just in case I own more condoms than TLC. Um, speaking of which, you know how I troop. Late Thursday night, playing ball at run and shoot. I see my girl Chili in her Lexus coupe, sitting pretty ooh in that hot pink suit. And bam, in through the door she struts. It's the lovely T bars with the ill haircut. But like- yeah, he was on yeah, he was on, on the song Interlude, which I think opens the album. Can't get his name out there. Mm. And talking of, so that we see they're starting to branch off and do their own solo stuff. Yeah. And probably Q-Tip does one of his, um, one of the best bits of solo work he's ever done. Because in 94, there was an album released called Illmatic. And Q-Tip oh, produced and did the chorus for one of the greatest songs of Illmatic called One Love. Yo, guess who got shot in the dome piece? Jerome's niece on her way home from Jones Beach's pub. Plus Little Rob is selling drugs on a dime. Hanging out with young thugs that all carry nines. And nighttime is more tripe than ever. What up with poor Mega? Did you see him? Are y'all together? If sold and hold a fort down, represent to the fullest. Say what's up to Herb, Ice and Bullet. I left for half a hundred in your commissary. You was my nigga when push. One love, one love, one love, one love. Great, great fucking song. We've seen them live as well. Seen them live, the old Ness. Yeah, got to get that in there. Didn't didn't yeah. Q-Tip also? Did he produce the song as well? Yeah, he produced it and did the the chorus for it. Yeah, and the chorus. Yeah, I mean, so, there you go. Right. Like Ill- Illmatic says it all, doesn't it? I mean. I think everyone and their mum knows Illmatic, surely, like, is, you know, probably the greatest rap album of all time, greatest solo rap album of all time. Just goes to show um, Q-Tip being featured and a producer on it. Um, just It just proves, again, like, what a what a mastermind he is to, to hip-hop and what he's done, what he did, the influence he had uh, on Nas's career. Because who knows, I mean, without this song and without, without his production on there, uh, you might not as reached the heights that he did with the album and this album actually Illmatic I mean it didn't do very well commercially if you remember but yeah. this feature from Q-Tip probably did him the world of good like if he didn't have this feature like it, it would, may have even done even worse commercially do you, do you know what I mean so I think this feature um, it definitely definitely helped Nas it, was, it helped his career progress I think 
Definitely. I think it was only one of two features to be on the album, him and uh, AZ. So, um, and it says yeah. it all, both of them absolutely killer features as well. Mm, definitely. Yeah, what happened was Q-Chip um, met up with Naz, started playing beats, and the first beat that Q-Chip played for Naz was actually the One Love beat that they ended up using. Um, and apparently, Q-Chip heard a version of Memory Lane, which wasn't the version that we hear, but an earlier version um, with a different beat. And that inspired that inspired Q-Tip to make something eerie, which is what produced the One Love beat. Um, and they recorded it in Fife's grandma's basement. Oh, really? And they did, yeah. That's cool. And um, yeah, I think like they um, Fife's grandma gave Q-Tip keys to the house or something. And so what, what the hell was breaking an entrance? Well, no. He, <laughs> no. So, so at yeah. this point, right, was still producing in in that basement. Then they hadn't moved out of that basement. No, I don't think so. No, I think this is still around the time. I think it was around about this time that Fife did move to Atlanta, so he was moving around this yeah. time. But, um, but yeah, I think yeah, they, they still use it to record and what have you. Still, sort of emphasizes, you know, like the community aspect of Tribe in a way. Like, I'm sure they could have afforded their own studio, and I mean, I imagine they did have all the studios they recorded in. But it's just yeah. cool to see like they stayed true to the roots in a way, and that that's probably what how they made the music they did. Uh, they stay, you know, they stay true to the to the roots, and you can hear in why Queens is so it's it's yelled upon and throughout the, their albums and the songs. Yeah, definitely. And again, there's another another Queens Queens artist. Yeah, Queens, and, Queens and it's so you say about the airy beat of the song as well, because wasn't yeah. it, what One Love is about? It's like letters, isn't it, from Naz to like his his, his friends in prison. Yeah, yeah. So t- obviously, Q-Tip went in. You know, uh, probably Naz probably said, this is what I want this song to be about. This is the subject matter. And Q-Tip was like, okay, I got you back. This is the one. And he knew straight off the bat. So what, what happened was, is Q-Tip, he made the beat, and then Naz heard it. Then apparently he went back home and, like, you know, wrote his rhymes or whatever. He came back and he just spat the rhymes a cappella, you know, a cappella for everyone in the room. And and everyone was just like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> everyone was just taken aback. Mm. And then and then yeah, they 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 bunged it on the old album, and uh, you know the rest is history. Rest is old history, basically. Mm. Yeah. And this Ilmatic was the same year as uh, no Ilmatic was ninety four, so it would have been the year after um, Midnight Marauders. Yeah, year after, yeah. Year after, so, but it's still that golden age, man, isn't it? Like it's golden age. Yeah. Just absolute classics after classics floating about. Definitely. And um, needless to say, uh, Tupac also had beef with Naz. But anyway, 94, A Tribe Called Quest won the best hip-hop album of the year at the Source Awards. Shush. The old Source, the old Source, named after our uni bar, of course. And named after a ketchup bottle. And in ketchup, yeah. Um, and, um, and slang for the old alcohol. Yeah. Oh, I just get I just get that pun now, the sauce. Ah, I get that pun. Yeah. Sparkle with the sauce. Ah. Yeah. That's clever, actually. I like that. That's a shout out to all my Preston locals. Straight out of Preston. Yeah. Still here in New spirit. Clan. New clan in the back. New clan in the building. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So, what, apparently, during this uh, Source Awards... Um, when they were receiving their award for best hip hop group of the year, when they were receiving the award, Q-Tip doing a speech, and he was interrupted by Tupac, 
who just ran on and started performing an unreleased song called Out on Bell. Now backstage something happened, an altercation happened of some sort, I'm not sure between who, but Q-Tip ended up spending a few nights in jail. Tupac has claimed it was an accident, and I think it was. I think they all sort of mended it up. Apparently, he didn't mean to interrupt his speech. Um, it was just like the sound guy played played the beat a bit too early, and uh, Tupac tried to make peace with uh, Q-Tip before he died. They're in talks actually with with Tupac, and a televised meeting between the two was set up where they were going to make peace on air. Um, however, it never happened oh. because sadly, Tupac passed. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy when you think about it. Is there any sort of footage of that happening, of that incident happening at the Source Awards? There is, yeah. I, I tell you what, right, one of the two packs best... Like, it, it's weird to say one of two packs best performances because he cut... One of the things I love about Tupac is he performs every song he performs. Like, this is going to be the last thing he ever does on this planet. It's, it's like he, he's, like gas, he's like gasping for breath when he's performing. It's, it's, it's amazing to oh, see. Oh, yeah. And, and there he's at the height of it because he, he just runs on stage and like obviously like music queued up a bit too early. He just ran on and um, and he was just going for it. It was like ridiculous. Yeah, but it's just so weird to think, isn't it? Like the two um, contrasting personalities in a way, the fact that like Q-Tip and Pac, Tupac got into a beef. You know, once obviously Tupac, he had his poetic side of this music, but then he also had like his thug life side. And then there's like tribe who just like they, they weren't in that lane at all. It's just a, it's a, it's an it's a funny comparison to think. I mean, off the top of your head, if you're like, who's gonna win in a fight? You're obviously like, well, Tupac will destroy Q-Tip. But what, <laughs> what do you think? Who've you got your odds on? I don't know because apparently I've heard Q-Tip got quite a good left hook. So it, it, I don't know. It could be it could be a good fight to be honest with you. You want him to have a good left hand? You'd love yeah. that, wouldn't you? I bet he's not. I bet he's never had to use his left hand much in his life. He's probably never been short of options. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. apparently Five Dog as well. Like, well, like apparently he's quite good with the old ladies as well, which is, is nice to hear. I like that. Well, if Butters anything to go by, then you know he's, he's he had a lot of them on speed dial. Yeah, I tell you what. Also, I found really nice to hear is talking about Five Dog moving to Atlanta. Apparently, yeah, he moved to Atlanta and um, he moved into like a mansion. And it was like Buster Rhymes going around to see his mansion that really like inspired him to like really take like, the hip hop seriously. And, really, um, it's, yeah, it's just nice to hear that Five Dog was doing all right. You know, he was he was he was living well. He was doing all right. Yeah, he could he could yeah. afford a, a loaf of bread um, and some milk every now and again. Yeah. I mean, the think what happened because I mean the first so like the first two albums, I mean they were commercially. Obviously, they did well commercially. So, do you think they they so their money situation? Do you think they got money straight off the bat, like they, or do you think it was until you know a couple of years, like maybe Midnight Marauders? That's when they started getting like really good money. So then they could afford like mansions and and stuff like that. Could be, it could be, but it's it's a weird one because you talk about those first two albums, well, first three even being maybe the height of their artistic, of them as artists, where commercially. 
these next two albums actually go on to sell. It's kind of like you said before with Illmatic. Like the next album after Illmatic went on to sell quite well, whereas Illmatic didn't. And same with Tribe. Like their their earlier stuff, you know, it did all right. But what really made them take off commercially was was the the the, the fourth and the fifth album, which is very weird. If they're the ones people don't regard so highly. Yeah. So, so so right now they were about to come into some serious money. Right now, yeah. It's usually the case as well. I don't I don't know for some reason. Usually, people's magnum opuses and their most creative albums, their creative art. Uh, usually, half the time, it's not their most commercial because there's like a commercial sound you you have to appeal to, you know, for radio play and, and the likes. So, it's usually the case, really, isn't it? Definitely, it's like Chaz and Dave didn't make all their money off Gertrude. <laughs> That's what really blew them up. So, is is Gertrude? Is that their magnum opus? Then is that their? Um... <laughs> Is that the classic to the world? At least one of many. One of many. Gertrude, when the milkman is off an hour late. Gertrude, when the kids are knocking at the gate. Gertrude. Absolutely. Well, I'll cut that bit out. (laughs) Apparently, yeah, backstage, T-Pac got in the face of Africa Bambada and the Zulu Nation. And, yeah, Q-Tip and all that. They were mad at T-Pac for that. Do you think T-Pac had slight anger issues? Oh, I mean that's uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, if we just if we just went to maybe like a psychiatrist, they could have avoided some of his problems. Do you think? Could be, could be. But he, um, he, yeah, he's a, he's a weird one, Tupac. I'd love to do a series on Tupac one day. That would be fucking fascinating. That would be, but it would also be psychologically hell, just it going down be. all those rabbit holes of of his death and the. <laughs> The Arsenio Hall Show uh, had an episode on the 25th of April where they had a guest on who went by the name of Minister Farrakhan. He was basically this guy who was the leader of the Nation of Islam, massively controversial figure. And before the show went out, they were saying to him, yeah, don't have him on. People protested and said, don't have him on. He's anti-Semitic and what have you. Anyway, he had him on. Is to say the show was cancelled soon after. And many people believe this was the reason. So for the final show of the Arsenio Hall show, Queen Latifah said she wanted to organise a segment. Said to Arsenio, you've got to stay out of it. He said, um, can't tell you, I just need you to hook me up with one of your producers. Let me do this and stay out of it. And at the end of the show, the curtain came up and loads of rappers were on stage and one by one, they all step forward to do their verse. So in order, it was a yo-yo. Everybody want a host, but everybody's not a hostess. The hostess with the hostess. I see the young, the oldest, the biggest, the baddest, the meanest, the toughest. So fuck it, we roast it, so just for you. So in the meantime, in between time, baby, you work your thing and I work mine. The yo yo is so, so fly. Just another reason why this beat is so tight. Nature. 
request. Fruit snickings. Smooth. The lights and now you appear beyond the stratosphere. Backable functioning if you're pretty, let your lady sleep in Carmel City. Beginning in the day, you're leaning, hunt for me. What? The lip ones, the whole degree was sipping OJ with the dumb beat. Not to bring it like it counts to be lucified. See, you're sexified and women spell me nationwide. You say you want my lips wear and I can grab your guru from Gangsta. Stars in the house to get a rap. And one love to our city and our shepherd. Original wall hit. Brooklyn, I grew for instructor. That's FX. So with the books coming with the crazy crazy. Going up to pop for my man gets swayed. Send it from the east, yo, send it from the east. Five years on the set, now it's time to say free. I flip send, I represent, I check out how I do it. Only hip hop show representing hip hop. They got me on the track, black and sweet and thin. With my man and Jizza with the rest of the Wu Tang clan behind him. What an absolute loaded lineup. That is a stacked card right there, Lou. Mm. It just shows you how much love that Arsenio did, did have. Yeah. Because he, he got shout-outs on Tribe songs as well, actually. He did. Um, it's, it's, he did well off of the, uh, the culture of hip-hop, didn't he? Because obviously he had a talk show like, on mainstream television, so and he used to put them on. It's kind of like uh, in America now, like Jimmy Fallon, I think, mm. on the Jimmy Fallon show. Um, you know, you can have your opinion on if you find them funny or not, whatever. But he's really respectable to hip hop culture because he's always got rappers on there. He even had Griselda on there recently, which is just oh, mad really? to see this like yeah, yeah, this like uh, you know cocaine drug dealing rap on like a mainstream talk show. But that's because uh, obviously you've got uh, Quest Love on the Roots and the on the Roots are on there. They're, they're the live band as well, aren't they? So makes sense the connection. But yeah, it even started back then. So uh, I think talk shows and performances on talk shows they do a lot for for rappers' career. And it, it it was the same here when when all of these had that performance. It sort of um, it took them to the next level as well. Put them in the stratosphere a bit. Yeah, definitely. And um, 
and it just goes to show on the Jimmy Fallon point that when he was doing the, um, was it a hip-hop evolution, I think it was, with Justin Timberlake, they actually were singing a Tribe Called Quest song as well. I think they did a bit of um, did a bit of award tour, I think it was. And, um, yeah, it's great, great to hear he's a hip-hop Yeah, fan. I think uh, Jimmy Fallon, like, Tribe and Beastie Boys, like, two of his, like, they're, like, his gods, basically. Like, he just, like, he worships them. <laughs> he, like, he loves them so much, apparently. It's hard to see why. I'd love to do an episode on Beastie Boys as well. I'm really getting into them now as well, and I'm, I'm going to buy their, their new book. Their new book's supposed to be class, and they've got a documentary coming out on, um, it's you know, Apple's new streaming service. All right, It's yeah. coming out on there, like, very soon, and it looks amazing, so can't wait for that as well. But in terms of this performance, who did you who did you say who closed it? Do you remember who was last on there? I think it was a geezer called Mad Lion who wasn't really a record. <laughs> strange, singer, strange like main it. event talent there closing yeah. it. You've got Tribe and Jizzer on there, but you have Mad Lion close out. Yeah, he was like he was like singing at the end, of it. just before him was KRS One. He was like the last like rapper, I would say. Yeah, um, and in all so, honesty, who was your favourite performance on that? Uh, to be honest, when Tribe came on, they just did they did bars from one of their songs. I think I can't remember what song it was, but they just already done like pre-existing bars from a song, which is fine. You know that would be a freestyle. So, but because I'd heard it before, I'd say my favourite was probably I'd say Guru Guru or Naughty by Nature. I think but they they were they were probably up there. Yeah, Naughty by Nature. I remember they proper got the crowd going because obviously. That's yeah. the type of music that they, their songs are like that. But if you are, um, yeah, you need to go out your eight years performance. It's so legendary. Definitely, definitely. So um, in 1995, on the 20th of May, um, FA Cup final happened, and and Everton actually won it. So yes, they did. This was uh, this would have been I don't know three three months I think after I was born. So I remember yeah. I remember this like it was yesterday. Obviously, I had my little Everton kit on. You know, I'm never going to let go of this moment. You know why? Because it may never happen again. And I'm never going to forget this, even though I don't remember a fucking thing about it because I was three months old. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, as I say, different times. Different but I do have the footage. There is footage there of Rideout scoring that screamer. Mm. Never forget. Oh, gone, okay. gone, but never forgotten. Yeah. So, in 1995... Another album comes out, which Q-Tip did some production for, by a group also from Queens called Mob Deep. And the album was, was of course, the infamous. Hey yo, Queens get the money, long time, no cash. I'm caught up in the hustle where the guns go blast. The fool retaliated, so I had to think fast. Pull out my heat first, see, pull out a seat last. Now who the fuck you think is living to this day? I'm trying to tell these young niggas crime don't pay. They looked at me and said, Queens niggas don't play. Do your thing, I'll do my kids, stay out of my way. Type hard trying to survive in New York State. But can't stop till I'm eating off a platinum plate. Yeah, which is absolutely unbelievable. This, this whole time period, man, these, these early to mid-90s, it's just classic album after classic album, isn't it? I mean, we talked right. about, you know, then 36 Chambers of Wu-Tang, you know, you've got two Tribe classic albums, you've got Nas and Ilmatic, and then you've got this, so Infamous with Mob Deep. It's definitely right. got to be on your t- on top five lists of all time, in my opinion. Like, I honestly, I rival it with with all those other albums, and it's actually quite the overlooked one, I think. Just because, obviously, you know, Shook ones had mad exposure. Everyone knows Shook ones, especially from Eight Mile. You know, a lot of a lot of the exposure from Eight Mile, but that whole album was incredible. You know, you have Temperatures Rising, Eye for an Eye, Survival of the Fittest. 
just a uh, amazing um amazing album legendary uh, influential album as well and like you said it uh, goes to show again q-tip he's just he's everywhere finger on the pulse he's just contributed so much just so many good albums definitely yeah the, the three songs that uh, q-tip produced on this album were give up the goods then there was Drink Away the Pain, which he actually featured on as well. Tommy Hill was my nigga, uh. and others couldn't figure. How me and Hill figure used to move through with vigor. Had to sit and plan on how to make these seven figures. Said the brinks is coming through yeah. at Fashion Avenue. Uh-huh. At Tuesday at 2, now we got a former crew of motherfuckers who ain't going out like sucker. Told me call, call, can I? What? And all my other brothers. Yeah. I told my sister Walker, who was the smoothest talker. Negotiate the deal with the mother money stalkers. Diesel drove the Beamer, the hatchback, of course. Nordica. Navigate to keep us on course. And of course, probably the greatest song from the album, Temperatures Rising. What up, son? I heard they got you on the run for a body. Now it's time to stash the guns. They probably got the phones tapped, so I won't speak long. Give me your hot second, and I'ma put you on. It's all messed up, somebody snitching on the crew. And word is on the street is they got pictures of you. Homicide came to the crib last night, six deep. Asking on your whereabouts and where you sleep. They said they just want to question you. But me and you know that once they catch you, all they do is just arrest you, then arrange you. One of my favorite songs. Yeah, definitely. Um, amazing chorus on that one as well. I don't know who the woman is singing, but she's uh, she's really good on it. Crystal Johnson, and I think they sample Patrice Russian as well. Yeah. So, um, Patrice Russian, don't listen to her, she's incredible. She's actually the original sample from the uh, Men in Black theme song. Yeah, uh, check her out. But so, but you yeah. know, where you know, Q Tip's producer tag, he doesn't think he actually went by Q Tip, didn't he go by the abstract? The abstract, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the one, yeah. So, if you ever see producer credits with the abstract all over it, then that's Q Tip, and he's, yeah. he's 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 pretty much a uh, He's all over um, the infamous, isn't he? And, uh, yeah, he's yeah, done three songs on it. And I, I tell you what, if there's anything that this this podcast I'm, I'm really like, this, this that I'm really thankful for is that it, it, doing this podcast, I, I took the time to actually listen to the infamous for the first time, and I've, I've listened to it probably like three or four times since then. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's it's got to be one of the, the greatest of all time, in my opinion. I can't believe it took me this long to, to get into it. It's, it's so good. I think with this album as well, um, in a weird way, it sort of was it was the end of the golden age. I think the golden age of hip hop ended with this album because it then morphed into like something else. You know, the late nineties, the, the the mid to late nineties was just it was just a bit different. There was different styles coming out. Like it wasn't just sort of you know the one style. It wasn't dominated by East and West Coast, but essentially there was um, you know the South and South of America and. Yeah, there was just a lot of different styles and a lot of different um, things coming out. But with this album, I think this is this is included in the golden age of hip hop, and I think it, it sort of ended with this one, in my opinion. But um, but yeah, Q-Tip just um, just got mad, just got mad skills, Annie. Definitely, yeah. And I it's mean, a it's, just... a it's a weird comparison as well as um, so like I mentioned it before with Tribe, their album, their their style is completely different to to Mob Deep. So Mob Deep are talking about coming from the streets. Um, you know, drug dealing, that sort of thing. Being drug dealers themselves, killings. Um, it's real. It's real life's um, sort of like tribe is, but it's different as well. But but Q-Tip can sort of it, it's showing that he can produce like yeah, any style. You know, he can produce for for a variety of different artists. Like he's probably produced for R&B artists, and now he's producing for like hardcore, heavy gangster rap as well. Definitely. I mean, when he, before you were talking about like your favorite producers of all time. 
Q-Tip is my number one, and that and that's one of the reasons because yeah, he's he's catalog is so diverse. Yeah. Like even just speaking within the stuff in Tribe, like the diverse nature of beats that he makes, but he still has his own signature sound as well, which is is great. Um, but yeah, needless to say, Tupac also had beef with Mob Deep. <laughs> just keeps yeah. on coming, doesn't it? Keeps on going. That's what, that's what I was saying before in the, in the previous podcast. What really, like, when you know you've made it in hip-hop, <laughs> is when you know Tupac has beef with you. That's yeah. when you know you've made it. That's when you've arrived. That's if, when you're yeah. a big deal. And if you have never beef with Tupac, then you're a scrub. Exactly. That's probably why hip-hop has gone down. Like Tupac probably down. beefed with Five Dogs Cook. Is sight of chef. I've heard they've got beef, you know. I've heard that's still going, that's still lingering. But maybe she's maybe she's forgiven on the counts of him getting shot and dying. But you never know. Yeah, yeah. But again, they made it up as well before. You know, it wasn't a lingering beef like it was. Do you believe like, this? Because um, everyone like so much, so much shit's reported that like you know about his beefs and that he made up. Do, do you think he how could he possibly made it with all these people? And I do believe Naz because, like, I remember there's that video where he dies and there's a Naz concert and he basically takes time out to, you know, it's a tribute and he's paying respect to him on the on the day he dies. So I can believe that one, but it's like, how can you make up with so many people in, like, <laughs> that little of time and you're such a busy man? I think, I think Mob Deep, like, also have one of them concerts as well, but... But also, well, they they like pay tribute to him during the concert on, on the day. But but I think it's one of them where he's receptionist, he's PA. I imagine he just put it into the schedule after a while. It was like you know, record an album, do an appearance, do a signing, make up with <laughs> someone, wash a beef, yeah. um, uh, go 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 to the courtroom, um, then you know, release another single, do another music video. Get into another beef with someone, yeah. do another music video, do another gig. Yeah. Sorry for that beef. Do another music. I imagine it just became part of the routine. Yeah, his, his PA Defo had like this template made. Where it was just the same. It said the exact same thing every time, but it just inserted the rapper's name or the rap group's name. <laughs> do you reckon, right? <laughs> Tupac, a bit like Larry David. Where he, like all these beefs were just like he would like. <laughs> He would, he'd get into all these beefs like he would like you know like you're watching Kirby Enthusiasm and Larry David winds up in these weird situations where by no fault of his own he's ended up pissing off absolutely everyone do you reckon Tupac was a bit like that like we think it's all of this, all of this and each other on records but no like Tupac just like backstage like, backstage, like spilt a drink on someone or just said, oh, you're, oh, slow, you're slow walker <laughs> yeah, it was just over the most fucking stupidest shit ever. I imagine a bit of his life was a bit like Kerber Enthusiasm. I imagine it'd be a dark Kerber Enthusiasm. I can, I'm just picturing now, like, like, do you know that uh, that last picture of Tupac where he's like looking at the camera and he's about to get shot? Just yeah. put in the curb music on that. Do, 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 <laughs> Jesus. Oh, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know if it'd be disrespectful, but if someone could do a parody of Kirby Enthusiasm with Tupac, that'd be a film I would watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Someone's <laughs> got to do it now. Yeah, so let's, let's start working on the script. <laughs> um, 
1995, uh, Five Dog as well, he was working on some uh, some stuff with geezers. He did Who Got the Funk uh, with Science of Sound. Five Dog will hit you off with some rug dad shit. Pass me the mic and watch us get intimate. Not only does it walk with me, it talks to me. Pats me on the back and says, son, that was a job well done. Why, thank you. I'm glad I can be of great service. Cause it's Madam C's out there nowadays that sound nervous. Life is too short to be sounding like a novice. You can't see and get the fuck out of my office. Niggas is like, oh my lord, it can't be him again. Biting my style like a Wolverine from Michigan. Wanna see your- So around about this time, our uncle by Whitey Don featuring Chip Fu and Fife Dog was released. And that's a great song, like, you know, check that out. You know, his verse on that is, is incredible. Matter of fact, too many MCs are sounding alike. To the point where you think your date possessed the same mic. Same as in gun token, smoking smacking you see they just be yapping ain't saying jack when they be rapping but you might say yo who the hell are you to talk punk shorty from new york you're half my ass better walk but you know better than to get fresh with those lips enough group or no group i'll sink your whole battleship you better hold ass when you see the size eight adidas um and in 1995 the wayne's brothers tv show starts and its theme music is actually electric relaxation which is, uh, is interesting. Okay, have you ever watched that show before? I just remember them from My Wife and Kids. Yeah, well, that's fair. I've never watched the show, but the, in the opening theme, the, like, the logo for the show is in, like, you know, those tribe sort of stick characters. That's the logo for the show. So you could definitely tell okay. they're influenced by Heavy show. inspiration. Even So they're even crossover to TV shows now. It doesn't just end at music. It's, it's TV shows as well. It just shows the, uh, the, the inspiration that they wear for a lot of... Uh, black people like about in the black community definitely again that also shows their popularity that like they are now the theme music on on um warner brothers tv shows now which is is, is great um so 96 we see q-tip and fife appear on rap city and before and fife does an amazing uh freestyle um and in 1996 we see probably one of the greatest posse cuts that i've, I've ever seen i've ever heard and it is Rumble in the Jungle, the Fugees, A Tribe Called Quest, John Forte, and Buster Rhymes. The song Rumble in the Jungle was actually the soundtrack for the film uh, When We Were Kings. Uh, check that film out, by the way, of course, about um, the fight between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. Um, great film. And uh, the music video for the actual song Rumble in the Jungle has like clips from the film mm. in, burst in between it. Yeah. Um, uh, and yes, yeah, yeah, it's really good actually. Check it out. And they have this performance on David Letterman where it, it just starts off with I think Wycliffe is the first one, and then as they all do their bars, they all come out on stage and like obviously culminates I think with Buster Rhymes, and they're all out there and it's oh my god, it's it's un- unbelievable. One of the greatest things I've ever seen. If, if ever like one day you've got a bit of low energy, you're a bit lagging. Why do these people, why do they keep doing it to themselves? They keep putting Buster on a posse coat with them. Yeah. You, you, you know, you, you're never going to win. You're always going to get done. It's Buster on a posse coat. 
like I, I don't know, name a more iconic duo. Maybe Andre three thousand and it's flute. I don't know. But Buster and a posse cut, that's an iconic duo. It's hard to do Buster on a on a on a posse cut, it's near impossible. And he smashes it here as per usual. Definitely, yeah. I mean, they're all on point on this as well. Like, Fife has a line in it which is incredibly biased towards Muhammad Ali, and it's kind of like like this film soundtrack. Obviously, we know Muhammad Ali won because this was made like years, decades after the fight took place. But it's like, come on, try and be impartial, son, for fuck's sake. For fuck's sake, like, this this home advantage. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it was in Zaire, so I suppose none of them were <laughs> political statements saying who's hurt. Anyway. Fife's but, being um, political there, isn't he? Yeah. But, um, but also on the song, Praz does a reference to Jake the Snake and the Royal Rumble. So, um, oh, so, nice. Yeah, good to hear. And, uh, and needless to say, uh, Tupac also had beef with the Fugees. <laughs> Do you have beef with the Fugees? God damn it. Like, I can way. understand. <laughs> you can find the way. You can find the... What do you think this one was over, Luke? Do you think, uh, do you think, do you think Wycliffe, what do you think he did? <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon it was, uh, it was, do, do you know, like in the, um, I reckon it was, you've seen the recent series of Curb where one, one of the geezers has taken too long to cross the corridor, get through, like, to, to go through the corridor. Yeah. He's, he's walking really slowly. So Larry David overtakes him. I reckon it was that situation where Tupac just overtook him to go for the toilet and then he came out and was like, you're a slow walker. And then that, that ended up with that, that beef, I reckon. <laughs> Tupac is Larry David confirmed. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, great performance. And um, that takes us to um, the album Beach Rhymes and Life, released on the 30th of July, 1996. Um, and a new member to the trolley, kind of a new member, but a new addition, you could say, at least for this album anyway, was the rapper Consequence, who was actually Q-Tip's cousin. And um, Fife never had a problem with Consequence. They'd never had beef or anything. But I don't think he liked how all of a sudden, like, it wasn't like he was featuring on like a few songs. He featured on seven songs on the album. And Fife kind of thought it was Q-Tip's way of edging him out of the group. Um, really? Is that what he thought? Yeah. Yeah, he thought it was like a subtle way of like trying to, because also what I should say is in the three years between, um, in the three years between Midnight Marauders and Beach Rhymes and Life, Q-Tip uh, converted to Islam, oh, yeah. and um, it of and I think uh, Ali Sheed Mohammed, I mean by his name it suggests that maybe he already like maybe was like has some kind of Islamic background. But I think Q-Tip converting to Islam sort of reawoke or inspired Ali to but do the same. So now you've got Q-Tip and Ali who, um, yeah, I, I don't think it caused any like, beef per se, but, but they're in this group, the humour. They're both converted yeah. to Islam. He was, yeah, he was probably pushing it on them, um, you know, pushing on them quite heavy because there's two of them in there. You know, it's probably, it's a lot to take on. It's, it's religion at the end of the day. 
Um, and yeah. you, you sort of seen that as as the years went on, they they, they incorporated a lot, like especially Q-tip incorporated a lot of that into the aesthetic of Trab and the aesthetic of, of himself and his solo career as well. And that's obviously where the Ummah comes from as well, because that that is another word. That's an Arabic word for like community and nation, isn't it? Like brotherhood. Brotherhood. I think it's brotherhood. Yeah. And um and yeah, and it's it's one of them where even even if they weren't like trying to push it on him, I think just like as you know, you, you can't help but feel like the third wheel with like two of two members of the band have this shared experience. Um, we, we saw it with, with the Beatles in a way, how three of them got onto LSD before Paul McCartney did, and that kind of like had like fractions within the group. Um, one of their many fractions, um, but and this you could say the same thing. Like two people have this like this connection that that fives, you know, not really a part of. And then also you've got consequences. Q-Tip's cousin, so you know, that naturally is going to gravitate, I imagine, more towards mm. Q-Tip. And five, so you can, you can imagine maybe in scenarios where five does feel like the odd one out, yeah. Um, and then obviously, like moving away to Atlanta as well, which Q Tip wasn't happy about, um, still struggling with the, with the diabetes as well. I think, yeah, it, it is all sort of building up at this point, I reckon. Definitely get that aspect, but I also think Fife Dog was um, incredibly paranoid, he, he just seemed like he had a he's quite a paranoid person, do you think? No doubt, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But where, sort of where do you think all the paranoia stems from? Do you think he's just like that generally as a person, or do you think over the years, maybe being in the music industry, seeing the politics of it all, seeing how it all works, probably made it worse? I think everyone, all humans are paranoid, and we just, some people can hide it better than others. And I think, and some, some, yeah, I think just when you got in well, all that spotlight and you've got all that. Yeah, you 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 are the, the biggest rap group in the world. You could say all that that pressure probably just makes it rise to the surface. So I reckon everyone would probably have those same emotions. But just yeah, that that's probably why bands do tend to people in bands do tend to be paranoid just because they're under all this in, incredible spotlight. It just makes it rise to the surface. I, I reckon. Yeah. Mm. But um, but yeah, we we start the album with the song Phony Rappers, which is probably my favourite song of the album. Not right, phony rappers. Who do not excite phony rappers. Check it out, alright? Yo, I was riding the train in this Puerto Rican kid says civil and plain. Let's battle. It kinda took me by surprise, cause the brother was moving with his eyes on the prize. I said screw it, I ain't got nothing to lose, but um but I got to do this shit real quick so I'm hurry up kid, bust your joints and then I bust mine then I'll be out cause I got to see this honey said and um, the keyboard sample was from a song called Blind Alley by The Emotions. Goods, the Uma are and and Q Tip and, and Trey Dillon Jade um, are at they their their use of this sample because they use it so differently in a way from the other songs that sample it. And now now listen to the the the, the other songs that sample this right. There's Ain't No Half Stepping by Big Daddy Kane sample oh, yeah. this. Oh yeah, I'm 
with this. I'm just gonna sit here laid back to this nice mellow beat, you know, and drop some smooth lyrics. Cause it's 88. Time to set it straight, you know what I'm saying? And there ain't no half stepping. Word. I'm ready. Pink cookies in a plastic bag, but how cool J samples this. And uh, for better or for worse, by the far side, also samples this same song. Ah. Um, but, yeah, and the way they've done it, it, they sort of, especially with Big Daddy Kane and uh, LL Cool J, they sort of do like direct sort of samples from it. But the way that Tribe have done it, it's they've they've really been creative with the way they've sampled it. I'll, I'll play it in here. And then you could just 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 hear like the creativity they have, like compared yeah. to maybe the producers. Agreed. I think I agree. This is one of my favorites on the album. It's it, I don't know if it's the favorite, but it's one of them. I think already um, we've mentioned before, but like Tribe's so good at opening tracks and closing tracks, and that's no yeah. different with this one. But I think what's um, it's been three years since their last album. So and they've changed, you know they've 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 gotten a new producer and they've got a producer team and it's so evident on the first track so straight away you, you you're like okay something's a bit different like you notice it straight off the bat like the the production is just there's something slightly different about it don't you think and I think this this Jay Diller's touch on it you notice straight away that they've got another hand in in the pot and um, the the production on on Beach Rams and Life might actually be my my favorite production in, of the entire discography I think. Mm, that's, that's, ooh, I, I don't know. For me, always got to be midnight for me. But um, it's I, certainly yeah. it's certainly the most unique. Then I think it's. Mm. It, would you do you agree though? It's it, you, when you, you as soon as you listen to the first song on this album, you can tell it's it's a bit that something's a bit different about it. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, yeah. It's definitely different to everything they've done before. Mm. And it's just um, that Jay Dilla touch as well. Like he he came through. He, he, I mean, Jay Diller is is Kanye West, one of his biggest uh, inspirations and biggest influences. If you didn't, yeah. if you didn't know that, and it comes yeah. through straight away as the start of the album, how like unique he is, um, just the 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 lo-fi aspect of it, the the bassy aspect of it as well, um, just just incredible, incredible start of the album, I think. Definitely, definitely, and the song is is about like, as it suggests on the title, it's just about phony rappers. Um, just basically calling out other rappers, not not specifically in name. Not in name, but it's more about the fact that they they let on they have this lifestyle when they don't, and that's that's more prevalent in today's rap than 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 back then. Just even the fact that you know you see these rappers driving around, they're like twenty years old in these expensive cars, Benzes and Maseratis and all that shit. But they they can't afford them cars. They've just they've just got them on rental, you know. And it's betraying an image that they actually they they're not actually like in real life. And I think that's um, what Tribe were getting at with this song. It was even prevalent back then. Definitely, yeah. It's it's just sort of like sort of calling out, well, not even calling out, just saying, just basically detailing other rappers, try and take them on, um, and yeah, and them them just brushing them away basically. Um, but yeah, great great song. Uh, and the second song, of course, is Get A Hold. Um, and this song, they talk about their record label and, and how their record label tries to control their music. Um, and that could be like, part of the reason why it's called Get A Hold. Maybe Get A Hold was like, you know, get control of the music. 
Um, apparently, it took Jay Diller the total of 12 minutes to make this beat. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Yeah, I think that was another thing about Diller, and I've heard that as well. He could, um, he was so quick because he sort of he knew what he wanted, like you know, in his head, so quick, so he could make beats fast. He just knew what he knew what he wanted, and and he could, you know, the way some people like to, some musicians like to take a while to perfect the the craft. Well, Diller was a he had a lot of content. He made a lot of content. And then it obviously proves with that factor. So that's why he's got like a lot of compilations, you know, three plus hours long. Because although it was quality, what he made, um, he could do it. He could do it quickly in a quick manner as well. Definitely, yeah. Elton John was the same. He could like just make a song just like <clears> there, with, like 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 half an hour, twenty minutes. Like he could just bang one out. Um, and just uh, on the point of the political aspect of the yeah. song. Tribe always, we've noticed from the start, there's always one song, one political song on the album, one you know about the, the politics in the music industry. So they've always yeah. got to have one of them, and then they've always got to have like a sexual song, and then so on, so on. So they always have like sort of themed songs on their albums, and it, it always seems it always works. And this is another good example of that. Definitely, definitely. Um, and the main sample from this song was by the Visit uh, brackets. She was here. By I can't pronounce the name of this band, but they're like the the cycle, the cycle. But anyway, they were managed actually by Brian Epstein. So um, yeah, so geezer sample here managed by the old Beatles manager. So. Wow, full circle. That's why their world quality is becoming a full circle. Exactly. Well, more of an oblong, but, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. Suck, suck, suck your oblong. Would you was. would you suck you tips oblong? If I was the next song is Motivators, and uh, and the the main keyboard sample is from sound pieces by uh, Michael Urbanik group, and the drums were from Funky Drummer by James Brown, which everyone's pretty much sampled. Really great song, um, and Motivators yeah, is just um, it's an alright song, you know, nice and upbeat song. You know, I, I, I'd probably say that's maybe my my second or third favorite off the album, actually. Yeah, no, I really like this song, so I went back. Um... I went back fairly recently and listened to this album all the way through. Uh, out of out of all the albums, I've listened, re-listened to this one the most, just because I keep picking up little things about like this, especially the production. I will keep banging on about Jay Diller, but there's good reason. And uh, it's another one with this song. It's just it's just so well it's so well produced. And um, this is this is one that I saved onto my own playlist. I remember it was Motivators, The Jam, and The Hop. They're my three favorite songs on the album. We be the crew that possessed it all wicked instrumental. Damaging your mental from here to Sacramento. This here groove was made for vintage freestyling. Feeling like I'm chilling on a Caribbean island. Rugged raw material is what we bring forth. A tribe called Quest, we represent an up north. When got the Sega in the back, acting all silly. Kicking freestyle raps, rolling up Philly. 
It's the four man fiasco in charge like Roscoe. Now you get the picture like Picasso. No, it's the, definitely all quality tunes. I mean, it's about the production of this. I love the way like the beach change as well, like the way that you change the beach change in it. Um, yeah. And and it, and it's about the jam. It flows so well into the next song in the jam which is a song about someone having their first joint and going to a party. And the main sample is from Dirty Old Bossa Nova by the Howard Roberts Quartet. Yeah, I mean, it's probably, um, I think it's um, most people's favourite on the album as well. And <clears throat> just looking back as well, like I thought this would have been a good single from the album, but when you look, the, the single is stressed out and, and once again, it, it, I mean, I don't know, they're, they're, not, they're not my strongest songs on the album. Usually, you know, especially with Tribe, a lot of their singles are also... That you know can be the strongest songs on the album. You know you've seen it with like Benita Rappaport and Let's Relaxation and so forth. But I think yeah. with with this album, Be Trams and Life, the album tracks are actually the. If you dig deep into the album tracks, they're the they're the better songs on the album. Yeah, I'd agree, agree with that definitely. Yeah. It was Friday afternoon in the middle of June. Heineken bottle caps and the aroma of bloom. Around the time everybody just got home from class, shooting dice, talking shit, hoping the cash would last. Yo, this was around the time when I didn't know no better. Junie rolled around in the tinted Algeta. Then he introduced me to that hydro smoke, and I took one too. Yo, I almost choked. See, I never smoked before, so my nerves got shot. Then he told me about the party at the spot jam rock. Next song after that, we've got his crew. Why it gotta come down to this shit? Two people thinking is one, so now we split. Remember what I said to you? You bleed, I bleed. Come on, you know how we get down. If you down, you need, and I'm supplying. Dynamic duo, electrifying. Everybody had to wet us, cause no one will forget us. Son, I testify, show as God is my guy. Any petty little bullshit you did was sly. Same song about Q-Tip catching his uh, friend cheating with his wife, and then he's um, sort of like debating whether or not he should kill him. Um, and he ends up I hope that's it. not a true story. I hope it's not a true could story. Could have an, an OJ Simpson. Maybe it could be um, inspired by OJ Simpson. Maybe. I'm not, when did OJ happen? I'm, I'm Wasn't that happened. the same year or like the year before? I think 95, was it? Could have been. Let me it's, have a look. Yeah, this is important stuff. Tell you what, right? When I was doing research for this, and I was finding out Q-Tip and his, um, his sports references. I was 95 it was. Uh, okay, so, so this was just after the yeah. case and 95, um, so the case was 97, so this would have been the height of the OJ, then this would be like, when it's all going down. Mm. Um, That's my theory, this song's based on OJ. Some sample is from Suburban Family, Lament by Ruth Copeland, don't know if related to the member from the police, oh no, I think I checked. The police, no, that's illegal. Uh, illegal. Um, yeah, I don't know, it was alright, alright, so, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, listeners, take a listen, if you think it's alright, then... then yeah, yeah. Pl- please have a better reaction, then, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know, I, 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 you know, 
Well, he not all of them are going to be a world tour, are they? I mean, are that's, you... <laughs> that's true. So after that, we got depression. In this American metropolis, filled with MCs, a tribe called Quest came to drop jewels with ease. Plus, make you party. We do this music thing for everybody: black, white, Latino, and Asian. We co raising the stakes of hip hop to a new plateau to bridge gaps of generations for future plantations. A God fearing folk, cause we all from the yoke of one breed, one seed to good goals we proceed. Nowadays, I strive to be a very good influence, even though not too long ago I was a chewing. Now I'm dropping it on this and many broad topics. And this song is all about, like as the name would suggest, it's about like the pressure of of keeping up with your past achievements and your past record sales and and you know just keeping up the quality of your work really and the pressure of, of being being a superstar really. Um, like they sort of allude to all those things in the song, and I quite like the song actually. It's very good. They they sort of do tributes as well, like at the start to their previous work. Um, I think kind of to show really. Like how high the bar is set, um, I think I think it's quite decent. Yeah, yeah, it's very uh, again productions class on it. It's uh, quite funky and you know very jazzy. Um, as I've said, that the production throughout this album's solid. And yeah, it's um, it's also about like I think it's a response when it's to the East Coast and West Coast. Um, what was going on in the in rap at the time in the mainstream, the, you know the, the rivalry and all that. So I think that's um they were trying to spread the, the positivity through with the song as well. So um yeah, it touches on a lot of things and when it comes to that and like you said, um I think because they hadn't experienced this amount of fame on the previous two albums, like and they've been as popular and as mainstream, that at this point in time is when it really it came to them and it hit them that they were that popular. And um they probably come along with it a lot of a lot of stress, I imagine. I mean you you can vouch for stress levels, Lou. I mean, the stress you put yourself under in them twelve hour library sessions at uni. I mean, it's it's probably comparable to that. I mean, yeah. I mean, my my the, the music I produced in those twelve hour library sessions was of a lot um, lower quality than what Tribe did, sadly. Uh, but yeah, definitely. And and also, I think added to that was the fact that like, they'd been on tour, but they hadn't done like a massive tour. I don't reckon until just after Midnight Marauders. So just coming off the back of that, and I think, uh, as we've probably talked about before, but the the time that they spent on tour sort of like limited the time that they could spend in the studio, like recording. And I think, yeah, just that pressure of juggling like all all these plates at once, which they were probably not accustomed to uh, as much before, probably also, also got to them. Yeah. Opening samples, Get Off Your Arse and Jam by Funkadelic. That's three class samples right there. Definitely. G Fun crossover. Exactly, exactly. And showing you how Dr. Dre and Q Tip inspired each other again, again there. Yeah. Um, so we got once again. This is the year that I come in and just devastate. My style is great, action peoples cannot dominate. My rhymes are harder than last night's. Don't play me close. I have this mic up in your midsection. My shit's 
simply meaning that my joint is tight. Amping up the mic, making sure production's tight. Sometimes I might catch a severe case of riders block. But by the end of the day, you'll be on my job. Your name's Malik, my hobby's putting MC to the test. And if you run, I'll put my foot up in your freaking chest. It's alright song, you know, it's a good song. Uh, drums and piano was sampled from I'm Your Pal by Gary Burton. Vocals, um, where it goes, yeah, yeah. They're from Untitled by Cadden Ball Adderley. Um, getting another sample on a tribe song. It was all right. Yeah, I was just quite surprised they chose this as the main single. In all honesty, yeah. a bit weird. It is. It, yeah, it's all a throwback song, a bit of a nostalgic song. I think this was the first one to feature production from Jay Diller. Mm. This is the very first song. Yeah. So right. I mean, there's some redeeming quality of it, I suppose. But uh, yeah, not 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 one of my favourites from the album. No, no, not at all. Uh, next song, Mind Power. Um, this song, not incredible, but Fife's verse. I think it's one of Fife's best verses on this song. Fife is absolutely sick. That's the sound of the man getting yanked off the stage. Trying to front like he mad pain. Sucking so bad, we threw his mama off the train. Insane. MCs are just giving it all away. Okay. Who said I'm not about the quest like sound? sound? Mess around and get your ass knocked down. I dedicate this to the poses that play hard. Check it out for that reason alone, yeah. if nothing else. It says, I, I, actually, you know, on this album, I yeah. think Fife was the MVP. You know, like oh, on, yeah. on on the other, like on Midnight and Low End Theory, you could make an argument for, for either for Q-Tip or Fife. But I, I just think Fife was at his, his creative peak here. As you know, it's like a solo rapper, as a solo artist. Someone that's a rapper that's going in hard, it's going in lyrically. I think this was his album where he was just he outshone everyone, I think. Oh, definitely. I imagine here his confidence must have been at his highest because like he's getting asked to feature on so many songs, like he's doing work with so many different geezers. He's um you know, now he's 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 you know, respected like member of the like you know, he's he's a respected member of the group, like he's um moved into this mansion and yeah he probably just has so much belief in himself that yeah he's, that's probably why he's at the top of his game right here on, on this album and i think music is the same as compared to football or any sport confidence like confidence is key like you said and he probably had a lot of confidence at this point definitely especially in hip-hop as well like you've got to be a confident rapper mm. uh, yeah confidence uh, in the bedroom too lou that that'll that'll take you far I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, not really much happens in my bedroom, to be honest. I mean, this, like, this is, um, recording this podcast here is the most action I've had in my bedroom um, for, for a while. It's, it's the closest I've ever actually come to company in my bedroom. So, uh, <laughs> oh, God, I feel special. Yeah. I'll tell you that, though, it's this, though, you've got podcast confidence. Oh, thank you, Gazer, thank you. Thank you, the, the beer helps. Um <laughs> So the horns come from NT by Calling the Gang, um, which was also sampled in It Ain't Hard to Tell, um, New York State of Mind, uh, Gangster, 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 uh, Breathing Stop by, by Q-Tip, and the next episode. So very popular sample there. Samples this song sample submission 
by Tyrone Washington. So this 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 actually had the sample before uh, Dre did. Mm. Mm. Dre must have loved, listened to so much Tribe. He's oh, he's yeah, probably yeah. still banging Tribe on his on his little iPod to this day. I'd, I'd hope so. I'd hope and, so. Yeah, Dre still listens to iPods. By the way, confirmed with his beats. Yeah, there's one way to make funny. make use of his beats, you know. It'd be funny if he didn't actually sign up to Beats Music. Instead, he was with Apple Music, and and he was just like, oh, I, should, I, should, I, should <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. Even though Dre's got no music on Spotify, he definitely prefers that method of streaming. Definitely. I mean, I, either one of you, Beats or, or Apple, if if you liked that message, um, Apple Music, we can cut that up for you, and that could be an advert. Just give us some cash. There's free, do. yeah, I mean, basically free advertisements. I don't charge much. Louis charges by the minute. That's all I'll oh, say. Yeah, yeah, You know what I did read time. today, though? Uh, apparently, Dre, his, uh, I think it was Chronic, first Chronic, it's yeah. uh, been selected for the Library of Congress. Oh, really? Yeah, so an album of uh, basically fucking bitches and, and smoking weed. Is officially in the Library of Con- Congress. So that is uh, that's impressive. That's interesting, and that's not even in the Kennedy regime as well. Exactly, right? Trump is an avid Dre fan. Confirmed. Would you forgive? Would you forgive Donald Trump if he came out one day? Like <laughs> Wait, there, don't don't. I was gonna say, don't finish that sentence, but you did. I mean, would, would it make everything better, right, or at least help? If you were an American, would he win your vote if he just started referencing Tribe Called Quest? <laughs> if he brought Q-Tip out, I'd vote for him. <laughs> that would be amazing. So, um, speaking to the Trump supporter, Paddy Stanton, uh, the next song... Cheeky <laughs> <laughs> bastard. ...is The Hop. Um, and this is not about IPA. Um, this is um, a song... Um, <laughs> say about this song to be honest with you what, what this is uh, definitely my favorite song on the album mm. i don't know why like going back and listening to this album this song just stuck out to me so much more than any of them uh i don't know what it is i think it's just the the hook's amazing because is, uh, is catchy um fife's verse on it is incredible i think but actually q-tip and fife on it both have amazing verses um, and just the yeah the, the delivery of the song is a uh, I don't know it just sort of res- it resonated with me you got to do the hop non-stop motion non-stop you got to come back and do the you see you your career is done like Johnny Carson's get me vexed I do like left I'm starting arson now that I got that out my system watch me stab up the track as if my name was OJ Simpson I pack some Simpson. in like Van Halen I work for mine you your feet loading like Kato Kalen I'm representing with my crew. Mess around, bite my rounds, I beat that ass with my shoe. Yeah, it was a decent song. Um, the bass line, drums and piano was sampled from Soft Spirit by Henry Franklin. Um, and the get down vocals are from Bumping Bus Stop by Thunder and Lightning, which Kanye West also sampled in Gold Digger. Yeah, um, just to summarise the song for me, it's like a, I think it's a good, it's like a party song. It's like um, it's like the tribe's version of the party song on the album, I think. You know, like the flows are very cool and like collective, and and then, but also at the same time as they usually do, they have a cool flow, 
but they also touch on aspects of like you know poverty and racism and and I think it just overall embraces like what the beauty of hip hop is in this song. That's what I felt listening to it. Definitely, yeah. Uh, next song is "Keep It Moving." Um, this song criticizes the East and West Coast beef. They talk about it being trivial, and uh, they talk about people on both sides. And this was released around like the height of the East and West Coast beef. Um, on this song, Q-Tip actually references Greg the Hammer Valentine as well, uh, the Who, uh, and yeah, I remember. He, yeah, he references um, Q-Tip references Greg the Hammer Valentine, the Who, and Santana almost back to back. A way of life It doesn't tell you how to raise a child or treat a wife I verbalize over Rhyme friendly That puts a listener in a frenzy So pop me in your Benzy You dig it, get with it Or get your melon slitted If you ever try to combat Sir Walter Mooster King We got the illy teen That doesn't even sweat the gleam Or glamour We'll pick you for your ass Like Greg the Hammer Man, we rock a joints Like the Who or Santana Keep it jams packed in Hotter than Havana So he would He'd be definitely Husband material right there I mean, that is just Winning me Yeah, because <laughs> A lot of it. He's got some some a lot of interesting hobbies right there. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd hammer him on I, Valentine's. Yeah, yeah. Hey. I never saw Q-Tip for a wrestling fan though. I think he. I thought he'd be too artsy for that. But yeah. fair play to the man. I think he's got right. me respect even more now. Definitely, I, I think I think I'm think about it. Do you I think, think he's a smart mark? <laughs> Q-Tip is a smart mark confirmed. He could be. He could be. I reckon he, um, I reckon him, I know him and Fife, and I think Consequence, they've all made wrestling references on their songs. So I imagine they all could be sitting there watching that like, Monday Night Raw. Like, not now, but back in the day, I imagine they, they would be. So this would have been around 96, so what, they're watching Shawn Michaels in his prime. They're, they're um, you know, they're recording their album. They finished they finish doing a little recording session in the studio. They go upstairs. With with their Fipes grandma, they all pop a couple of valleys, cop a couple of Viags, smoke a couple of joints, <laughs> stick on Monday Night Raw, and just have the time of their life. And you know, who knows? Q Tip and Shawn Michaels. <laughs> well, I, re- I, re- I reckon. They I mean, what what a, what a beautiful power couple they would make. And I think Q Tip probably wanted that at the time. Could be, but um, I reckon they're probably Nitro fan. Maybe maybe that's why Fife moved to Atlanta. Maybe that was maybe, the reason. Ooh. Ooh, well, maybe they—that's what caused the rift in Tribe was, was was Q Tip. He was a WWF fan, yeah. but Fife was WCW. That was the real, the real, and that's why it took so long for them to to get back on onto good terms. Ali Shahid, he must have been ECW. Didn't he? he was ECW. Oh yeah, he's ECW all over, and and consequence. So, I'm thinking consequence. Consequence can be Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I'm thinking consequences ECW and Ali Shahid Mohammed was New Japan. I reckon he was like a proper like he was yeah. thinking right. The Super J Cup. He was streaming the Super J Cup. <laughs> he was. Ninety five. He was flying there live to see the Super J Cup. Chris Benoit was his favorite wrestler. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> when are we doing a Benoit? That's why they were quality. Well, if you want to do that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, One day. right about money. If, if the Chris Benoit estate wants to pay us, I mean, look it over. Yeah. <laughs> David Benoit, get my number, bro. Come at me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Died in a ring is fucking harrowing, by the way. <laughs> Did you watch it? Yeah. Have you seen part one or? I've seen both. Yeah. Oh, when when how did you when did you watch it? I just like literally like about um I can't remember like today about six o'clock something like that. Yeah. So yeah, shortly before we came on actually. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I watched the second part earlier. With, like my mum and dad watched it, came in and watched it because it was just so gripping. So oh, like they yeah. couldn't take their eyes off it. You know what? I was fine until the like, end. The end bit with the, the son and the, the sister, and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm a broken man here. <laughs> well, i tell you what, though, Chris Jericho, what a lovely guy. I know, what yeah. Another he, example of what a lovely guy he is. Q-Tip and Jericho? Now, get them in a room. I bet they would do a podcast, Q-Tip and Jericho. Mm. They've actually each got their own podcast, because Q-Tip's got his abstract radio, so they could do, like... Oh, really? Yeah, I've never listened to, uh, to Q-Tip's podcast. Any good? I have to think it's on Beats One. So I've heard like the one episode that was leaked to YouTube and yeah. it was really quite good actually. These two guests, right? Do you know who these two guests were for, for this, this episode? Who's Chris that? Rock. Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. Wow. What a line up there. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, bonerific for your uh, yeah. your comedian comedian boner needs. Definitely. And and it's so it, it's like um yeah but that that would be one of the main reasons I would sign up to Apple Music would be to listen to that. Right? Um, so next song, oh yeah, I should say "Keep It Moving." Um, so it samples "Roadwork" by Howard Roberts. Actually, um, I, I you know checked it out just because it was sampled on this. And listen to the whole song, and the whole song by itself is great. I definitely get that downloaded. Uh, get on your old Spotify. Um, next song is Baby Fife's Return, um, and this is the Fife solo song from the album. Yeah. Um, and um, in this song, Fife talks about um, his mother, his grandmother, um, inspiring him. You know, he talks about being thankful to the other members of the tribe. Um, and he also talks about um, his dead twin brother, I, I think, for the first time actually on a record. And he mentioned Sergeant Slaughter, so just uh. not I don't know what it was, but a lot of wrestlers were fascinated with Sergeant Slaughter. It was just the pro-American thing, where he just that is fight that patriotic. 
could be, but also he, he's the, the words Argent Slaughter is just so easy to rhyme with different <laughs> stuff. Like yeah, Slaughter, that's a good point. But, like, but you, it, you can, yeah, yeah, it goes back to the point you mentioned earlier about the themes on 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 tribe albums. Like the the, the theme, there's a theme, and this was the the tribes. Uh, the sorry, the Fife solo song. So we got, you know, I mentioned before, we had the uh, the song about the, the women or the political music one. There's usually a, a Fife solo song, and um, I always love the Fife solo songs, not going to lie. Definitely. I think it was um, one of the best songs of the album. So what, the twin, twin brother thing, so when, when did he die? Um, he, so, yeah, died in childbirth. That's right, um, yeah. I think he lived, actually, for like a short amount of time, like maybe an hour or so or a few hours, and um, and then yeah, died quite shortly after. Yeah. Damn, that's sad. I have a really dark joke. I mean, I don't know. I'm not gonna say. Yeah, I, I think something that was like, or um, well, after we finish recording the podcast, we can, or you can say it, and I could cut it out if it's proper dark. Yeah, I was just gonna say, did they have like a, a burial? Nah, I don't. I don't think that's dark. It's uh, it's uh, probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's what that one was about. So um, samples um, Sam enchanted, Sam enchanted Dick medley uh, by Jack Bruce, who is a member of uh, Cream. Um, also rest in peace. I think he he died. Um, she did he die? I'm not sure. Yeah, Jack Bruce. I think he did die recently. This next song is uh, separate together. Um, and this song talks about the East and West Coast beef and um, talking about peace, really. And talking about how Tribe were kind of inspired by the Beatles. This song kind of sounds like it was a bit inspired by Come Together. You hear the way like Q-Tip is rapping. It sounds a lot like the way John Lennon sings in Come Together. Okay. So you think this was a direct influence from Come Together? I think so. I think it could be. Um it's one of them. No one's ever talked to him about it. Be interesting to play the two tunes back to back, then. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll bung them in here. Yeah, and you'll, yeah. Listeners, take take a listen for yourself and see, like you know, see if Louis is on son, see if he's if he is observant as he thinks he is. Sampled webs, who sampled.com still not got back to me about it. Have you ever heard the song Trife Life by a Mob Deep? Of course, yeah. Amazing song. Did you know that samples? And I I think I, 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 I've never, never seen anyone like actually write. It's not on who sampled.com, so I thought I'll submit this. The clearest day samples, I am the warish. And it's like, I don't know why no one's bunged it down there before, but they still not got back to me about it. But it clearly samples, I yeah. am the warish. That is unreal. I'm definitely gonna when we finish. I'm gonna go listen to them back to back. Yeah, it's one of them, but you can hear it clear as day. It's, it's unbelievable. It's just another day. Drowning my troubles with a forty. That's when I got the call from this brown skin shorty. She asked me where's my crew at. Said we can do whatever. She got a crew too and said that we should get together. Um, I said, yeah, so strange the thought of Mob Deep sampling the Beatles. I know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so that song, Separate Together, samples another one sampling the uh, funky drummer by James Brown. So again, Q-Tip being frugal with the beats. What a lovely guy. Um, so the next one is What Really Goes On, which samples Pain by the Ohio Players. And um, yeah, What Really Goes On is, I don't know, it's kind of a political song, you could say, I suppose. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's all right. It's okay, true. Ourselves for this ultimate war, but MCs is really lost and it's at a big cost. We be rhyming at our show, thinking we getting dope. Moving through a town off the fumes, when accolades from the crowd with our chest out proud. Yo, we about to clap these joints and let these sound loud. Some kids be at the stank like a baby. Next one is wordplay. Um, that one was from that samples The Watcher by Rodney Franklin. Okay, song again, didn't really stand out. Um, yeah, yeah, so I think um, for me, the I think the first half of the album, all up until the maybe keeping it moving, is so like I think the last couple of songs, uh, except stressed out, stressed out is a decent you know mainstream single with with a woman singer, um, that's right. when it sort of I, I lose a little bit of the interest, I guess. Um, right. I feel like it starts off so strong, then there's a, a strong middle of the album too. Then, like the last, there's the last couple of songs where you know it's. I don't feel that they're as strong, which is probably why it doesn't hold up as well as the the previous two albums. Because it's like, especially Midnight Marauders, track for track, it's um, it's just incredible. There's no sort of sleep, you know, snoozers. If you like, there's no weaker tracks. You can't really pick a weaker track out. Where does I think in this album you can? Definitely, yeah. There, there is ones where I've, I've played this back, and I've even think of something interesting to say, but it's just it was an okay song. Like it's, yeah. I'm just there's just there is like a few tracks on it that don't really stand out. You can't really. Um, I yeah. think it's this album. It's um, it's a little bit samey as well. Like I, I love Jay Diller's production. I love the production on it. It's because it's different than the other two, and it stands out. But I also think it's it can be quite samey at times. If you get me. Definitely. With this on different levels, power controls your life. Money, the companion of the first. Some people tend to worship, and we know this ain't right. Attitude. Attitude. It's how I get my point across. You can't call yourself an MC if you know that you're soft. Aggressive. It's how the stages approach. I burn MCs like toast, because I'm the host with the most. LA, that's what to do when you're assing. Whether it be you or all up in your fashion. Cashing, it turned your people's corrupt. It's just a clock. Yo, you got to get your weight up. Then we get onto that song that we mentioned a minute ago, Stressed Out, which uh, features Faith Evans, um, which 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 Tupac kind of had beef with her, I suppose. But, I mean, that's why I fucked your bitch, you fat motherfucker. Dick nanny. Yeah, I kind of actually. Get nanny. First of all, fuck your bitch in the click you claim. Exactly. I, I can't imagine she'd be too thrilled with that lyric. It wouldn't be on her, uh, her CV. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if they're on good terms. They were either on very good terms at, at one point and in very bad terms. I don't know. But anyway, well, all, we, all we know is they, they, they banged. They banged and it out. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, anyway, yeah, this song is about um, stress, problems, uh, problems of life, really. Um, Q-Tip makes a knob gag in there, which I think is really good. Uh, <laughs> And, um, and yeah, I think this is a song that really has good interplay between uh, yeah. between the MCs of Q-Tip, Fife and Consequence, I think. 
on that song, I think they all really are on point. Yeah, um, another great closer. It's not quite the closers of the, the the previous two albums. It's a it's um it's not a posse cuts either. But it, I think this song got them a lot of mainstream exposure because at the time Faith Evans Faith Evans was so big. She was massive. You know, she was well, you know, one of the biggest singers in pop. So to yeah. to try to get a feature on a tribe song, it was probably it was a big deal for them. So I think this song definitely got them a lot of a, a lot of exposure, and, and rightfully so, because I think for the the type of song they were going for, the um, the substance, the lyrics of it all, um, it's it, I think they they delivered and what the the message they were trying to convey, and I think it it could appeal to um, people of all music, people who like any sort of music, different tastes, and especially people that maybe don't listen to hip hop as much, they could listen to this song because it was probably on the the music. Um, stations at the time, radio stations, music uh, channels as well. So uh, I think this this song got them. Yeah, uh, there's a reason why this album went platinum, and it's it's a lot a lot of it is down to this song and the exposure it gave them. Definitely, and at the time, like having like like the the R and B singer on the hip hop song was a massive way to like give yourself a hit. Like if I ruled the world uh, by Nas, all that I need, Method Man, and then here's another example that. I imagine they, they probably were trying to appeal to radio, maybe. Um, and it's a good song just in general. So, you know, it's not, not one of their best, but it's um, it's a good, solid song. So not a bad song. To complain, but the things in the game. What's your name? Consequence, I'm tight, burnt like flames. And why's that? American dream, they got this ghetto kid in the fiend. Don't stress that, cause it's not in your bloodstream. Your whole being comes from greatness. Do remember, Chase Hall got you caught in the storms of December. And brothers, uh, yeah, good, good way to any album. Yeah. Um, samples, the hook is an interplot. The hook samples, I can't pronounce that word. The, the hook uh, samples, Good Love by Anita Baker. the only tribe album to actually go to number one and it went to platinum in the US. Yeah, it's incredible to think that. I mean, I don't know, it's just it's a genre that you wouldn't think because obviously hip-hop was massive at this point, massive, wasn't it? Yeah. But that was, it was dominated by like, the Biggies and the, and the Tupacs and it was it was dominated by record labels that were massive, that were real, you know, real driving forces and they were ruthless in their, their marketing their promotion of artists, and then you've got Tribe who are, um, you know, they've got Jarp behind them, but, and it was alternative, it was still alternative at the end of the day, it was alternative hip-hop, it wasn't what the mainstream was, it wasn't glorifying, you know, drug dealings and, and objectifying women, it's it, it's still Tribe at the end of the day, so for them to reach Platinum, it was, um, it was a massive achievement, and probably unexpected as well. Definitely, yeah, and this album also got them nominated for their first Grammy Awards. Uh, the album got nominated for Best Rap Album of the Year, and once again was nominated for Best Rap Performance by a duo or group. So, as you could say, this wasn't the height of their creative powers, 
But in terms of commercial, uh, commercial and mainstream exposure, this was probably the height of their career, you could say. Yeah, yeah. So overall, what what are your thoughts on on this on Beach Rams and Lice? Where do you rank it in on the on Tribe's discography? It ranks as number four for me. Um, no, no, actually, sorry, I'll go number five for me. Um, it ranks as number five, and it's an okay album. It's, no, not number four. I'll go number four. Um, it's an okay album. Um, it's, I don't know. It's one of them where it's like it's 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 i'll bung it on but um like if if this was their only album they wouldn't be it held in as high regard as they are today no uh, what, what, do you, what do you reckon of it <clears throat> it's different it's it certainly doesn't meet the heights heights of low end 30 or midnight marauders but it's different um it's it's three you can tell three years had passed you know like the first three albums it was like it was they they were recording three years, and you could tell that they were sort of the same group within those three years of recording. They they literally just record straight after each other them albums, but with this right. album, you could tell a lot of changes that happened in, in the lives. You could tell they were getting more money. You could tell they were getting more exposure. You could tell things were going on politically uh, in the music industry, and you could tell that personally as well. That the um, the there was cracks starting to show, and that's probably why the the musically it wasn't as as strong as the as the other albums, but they brought in and made the career of Jay Diller. So I'm always gonna have a you know we'll always have a special place in my heart this album because of that because it did put Diller on on the map and so did also the, I've got to mention the Far Side second album Lab Californication I think that's how you say it. So that also put Jay Diller on the map. So I'm always going to be thankful for this album, but it's 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 certainly not as strong as the previous two. So I'd put it as number number four probably. But um, I, I think the production, I, th- I do think contender wise in terms of beats, like overall a, a, a straight beat, this this album may have some of the best beats they've ever they've ever done. But in terms of musically, I don't know. I feel like Q Tip is hard. I don't know if it was because he was thinking at the time, you know, he wanted to go branch out and do a solo career. But I don't know what it was. I don't feel like his heart was as in it at this time. I feel like at this point he wa- he was thinking about going off and, and, and being a, having a solo career. Yeah, I think they all they all had one eye on other projects, to be fair. And um, as, as this goes on, we'll find out, you know, some of the stuff that Ali Shaheed Mohammed was doing as well, actually, like on his own. Um, and so yeah, I think they all did have like one foot out the door, really. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely think so. Yeah. So we'll pick up with the rest of Tribe Call Quest later. Thank you very much for listening to that's why they were quality a Tribe Call Quest Part Four. We'll join you next time, Jesus. Yeah, uh, great parts, and look forward to the next part discussion Tribe. <laughs>